This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. The gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. When I was uh, growing up at home, we had a trampoline like this. Not one of those wussy trampolines now with all those sides on them. This is like a, a, a tough trampoline. Who had a tough person's trampoline? Yes, we did, didn't we? How many times did you fall off? You don't fall off those things. Nah, I don't fall off those things. Well, we had it for a few years, and by the time I turned the age of 17, I was uh, pretty confident on the trampoline. It wasn't a big one, but I could do somersaults and stuff like that. And at the age of 17, I was super fit. Like, I was, I'm, I'm, I was in the state cross country. I was refereeing soccer. I was super fit and agile. And, and I had this idea that I reckon I could jump on the trampoline and do a somersault onto the ground. So from up here... Jump. No, 17, right? 42, no deal. 17, right? So I, I said, oh, I believe I can do this. So I jumped and I jumped and I, and I did it, somersault, and I landed flat on my face. <laughs> See, that explains a few things, doesn't it? Thank you, Ross. Thank you for that encouragement. But you know what? I believed I could. So I went again. So I jumped, and I spun, and I landed it. I was like, whoa, I landed it, and I've never, ever done it again. Once, once, once was enough. Here's the, moral of the, here's, the moral, here's the moral of the story. What you believe about yourself influences the choices you make. I believed I could, so I jumped, and I did. I failed first time, but I believed I could, so I kept on going until and the second time I landed it. What you believe about yourself influences the choices that we, that we make. In this passage in Ephesians chapter 1, this passage speaks very clearly to who we are. It tells us our identity in Christ. It tells us what God has done for us. It tells us who we now are. It tells us about our inheritance. It tells us about God's plan for us. It tells us about our standing with God. And yet I wonder if we allow the truth of God in God's word to permeate our lives, to change us in order that we believe that truth. And by believing that truth that that Ephesians 1 says about us, the the, uh, truth that the scripture says, do we allow that to influence the way that we're living? Or do we allow other things to influence the way we live? Because we live in this world of, of continual bombardment where the word of God and our reality of life can sometimes clash. We go out into the world and we see social media and we go into the workplace and we, and we see friends. You take the kids to school, you go to university and you see different sorts of people. And as we see these different sorts of people, we, we, we regularly compare, hear this, we regularly compare ourselves with them. 
And so we live in comparison. We compare what they have with what we have. We compare the shape of their body compared to the shape of our body. We compare their extravagant or lack of extravagant lifestyle compared to the lifestyle we have. We compare the type of friends and the number of friends they have to the number of friends and the type of friends we have. We compare how clever they are compared to how clever we are. We compare the influence they are having on the world with the influence we're having on the world. We compare how beautiful they are compared to how we believe how beautiful we are. We compare how their life is thriving and then we compare it with us. And as we compare ourselves with others, we then make beliefs about ourselves. As we compare, we make judgments about how we're going based on what other people do, what other people say, how other people live. And it's not only that. What other people say about us, as, 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 as people say things about us, they are comparing us with other people as well. And so we live in this world of comparison. And here's the thing. When we allow comparison to define us, when we define our reality through what we see in others and we compare and then we make a judgment on ourselves, that then affects the choices we make. Are you following me this morning? What you believe about yourself influences the choices we make. Based on comparison, if you believe you're not good enough, it can lead you to not trying new things. If you don't think you're good enough, you're not going to try. Based on comparison, if you think that people don't like you, the result is you could walk around life being suspicious of people. Based on comparison, if you don't like the way you look, maybe you underdress or maybe you try too hard. Based on comparison, if you feel like people don't accept you, it can lead you to removing yourself from other people or choosing not to meet new people. If you don't see yourself as valuable, it could lead to you allowing people to treat you poorly based on comparison. But it also can have a negative, not a negative, a positive spin on it. Based on comparison, if you think you're okay, well, you'll try and you'll try again until you achieve. If you're confident in the way you look, well, you're not going to be concerned about what other people think. If you think that people like you, well, then you're going to go and make new friends. If you think you're valuable, well, then you'll speak up because you think you have something to offer. See, how you see yourself influences the choices that you make. I brought a couple of pair of glasses today. I bought a pair of sunnies at BCF. They're, they're polarized glasses. They're really good for fishing, so I thought I'd buy them. But I needed a new pair of sunnies for this message. And, and when I put these glasses on, amen, when I put these glasses on, it makes it very difficult to see you compared to that. I can see clearly, but when I put these on, the, uh, the uh, light is, is reduced. Thank you, Scotty. And... And I can no longer see, I can, I can no longer see the, the truth of reality 
but rather what I can see is a, a disfigured, a darker, a darker, what am I trying to say? A darker, a darker, a darker reality, a darker filter. I'm not seeing things as what they truly are. That's better because of the filter of the lenses. And as we compare ourselves with the world, it's like we got a pair of sunnies on because we're not seeing ourselves as who we truly are. Because what the world says about us is usually very different to what God says about us in his word. When you compare yourself with others, when your identity is defined by what other people say, what other people think, by how you compare, you're not seeing yourself as truly as, as who you truly are. You're seeing yourself with a pair of sunnies on. I want to say a couple more things with this comparison thing. I want to tell you why comparison is not good. I want to tell you why comparison, there are problems with comparison. The first reason is this. Because comparisons, number one, is that when you compare yourself with others, it can lead you to a place of hopelessness. You compare and you go, I'm not as good as that. I don't look like that. I haven't got that many friends. I'm, 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 I'm not as influential as that person. Well, who am I then? I possibly, I, I, I can't be that good. What have I got to offer? And it's easy for us to spiral down and, and, and lose hope and feel like we're stuck and we can't get out. That's a problem with comparison. Another problem with comparison is that it's based on opinion, not truth. Here's the biggie. It's based on opinion, not truth. As you compare, people are living their lives based on what they think is right and wrong. Based on their version of morality, what is ethically okay and what's not okay. But the thing is, it's just an opinion. There is no, there is no grounding of truth in it. Because it's simply about preference. It's only as we come to the scriptures that we see what truth is. So if you're comparing yourself with others, you're simply comparing yourself with someone who has an opinion, just as you'd like you've got an opinion, and who says their opinion's right anyway? Their opinion's right anyway. It's simply their opinion. It's not a strong foundation to base your life on. And the third thing, when we live out, live out of opinion, what you believe about yourself influences the choices that you make. I brought another pair of glasses today. I bought these at the $2 shop. And my wife said I look pretty good in them. If I'm ever going to get a pair of glasses, I should get a pair like this. I need something else going on. Where's Wally? Now, these glasses, if you can't tell, haven't got any lenses. And these are the glasses that I've put on because these are the glasses of the Bible. Or these are the lenses that God wants us to put on. And when you put on glasses like this where there's no filter, where there's no distortion... And you look at what God says about you, you're looking at yourself as who you truly are. Hear that again? When you look at, when you look at, the, when you look at yourself through what the Bible says about you and what God says about you, you're seeing yourself as who you truly are. And when you see yourself as who you truly are, well, then you make different choices. And the reason we should take notice of what God says about us is because he's the one who made us. He designed us. He built us. He knows how we work. He is the one who sets what is right. 
He is the one who sets right is wrong. He is our moral compass, our ethical compass. He sets our foundation. He sets our morality. He defines what is true. He defines our reality. And as we look at Ephesians chapter 1 this morning, we're about to look at our reality. I um, wrote this little, um, this little thing, and I liked it, so I thought I'd put it on. I was, I was going to say I, I read this quote from this brilliant theologian and then put Nathan Green at the bottom, but I decided not to do that. Here it is. We live in a world of comparison. We continually compare ourselves with others. As a result, we form a view of ourselves, and that view of ourselves influences the choices that we make. That's one way of living. Or... We can choose to compare ourselves with what the Word of God says about us. As a result, we view ourselves as God sees us, which then affects the choices that we make. I want to take you to this passage now, and we're going to pull it apart together. We're going to spend a bit of time exegeting the text. And it's very, clear, it's very important that you understand this morning that this text is written to Christians. It says to the church in Ephesus, it's actually written to the churches in that region, and he's written to Christians. And if, and, if, and if you're here this morning, and you have committed your life to Jesus, this is written to you. But if you're here this morning, and you've not yet committed your life to Jesus, well, this doesn't relate to you yet. It can if you choose to respond to him. And, and the beauty of it is, is that if you're sitting here today, and you have not yet chosen to follow Jesus, I'm going to talk about your future if you choose to follow him. All right? Let's look at this text. It starts with an introduction, and it starts with telling us who the writer is. Normally, today's letters, we start to dear Michelle, blah, 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 from Nathan. But back then, they started with Nathan, the writer, and it says here, Paul, who was an apostle of Christ, Jesus. Apostle means sent one. Christ means anointed one by God's will. Paul was sent by God to the Gentile world. The Gentiles were the people who weren't Jews. He says to God's holy people, holy means to be set apart in Ephesus, the people who are faithful in Christ Jesus, people who have put their faith in Jesus. Verse 2, grace, God's kindness to you and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the introduction. Then we hit verse 3. And in and, and, and verse 3, we encounter our first color. And, and the color that we have is light blue. You will notice the phrase in verse 3, praise be to, then down in verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, down in verse 12, for the praise of his glory, and then in verse 14, to the praise of his glory. Four times in these 14 verses, Paul responds to God in praise. Sam spoke about this a few weeks ago, this idea of praise and worshipping God and honouring him for that is, that is right and that's correct. He deserves it. And, and, and as we read this text and as we see all that God has done for us, Paul's response is just to honour God and to praise God. And as we read this, as we understand it, my hope is that your response is similar. Verse 3 is like a summary of the next 11 verses. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. In other words, who has done something great for us. In the heavenly realms, that place is heavenly realms, is where God is. With every spiritual blessing in Christ. That is a loaded, loaded sentence. 
Praise be to God who has done incredible things for us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now notice the blessings here are spiritual. They aren't physical blessings. Now God does physical blessings. Sam um, read the scripture from 2 Corinthians this morning. It says, as we give, God looks after us. He meets our needs. God is our supplier. God is our healer. God does physical things for us. No doubt about that. But here in this text, it's talking specifically about spiritual things, spiritual blessings that happen to us as a result of putting our trust in Christ and putting our trust in Jesus. The next thing I want to point out um, from verse 4 is the structure. And we're now looking at the color purple. For he chose us in him before the creation. So the first part that Paul talks about is what God chose before he made the world. Hear that again. These are the things that God chose to do before he created. Then, down in verse, where's the next one? Seven. It talks about what God has done for us now in him, our current reality. And then down in verse 14, it talks about our inheritance. And when it talks about our inheritance, it's talking about eternity. The thing we're going to inherit as, as, as believers of Christ. So it's what happened before creation, what's now, and what's in the future for us. Now go to the color red. In the red, it tells us very clearly about God's plan and God's purpose. Look at verse 9. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. When the Bible talks about this, this our mystery here, it's talking about something that was hidden in God, that, that our God had something in his mind that was to come, and it was Jesus, and that through Christ, all people would be reconciled to God, not just the Jews, but the Jews and Gentiles, all, of, all people from every walk of life would be brought into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This was a plan that God had that he kept hidden until Christ is revealed. See, the Jews, and, and God said, I'm going to call you to be my chosen people, and there are a few glimpses, like in Isaiah, where God says to his people, I want you to be a light to the Gentiles. And there are a number of times where the, where the Gentiles become Jews and be in relationship with God. But God had hidden in himself that one day he's going to reconcile all people to himself through Christ. And that's the mystery that we find out here and that we read about later in chapter 2 as well. Verse 11, In him we were chosen, having been predestined, according to the plan of him, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. That God has a plan and he's working out everything to fulfill that plan, which gives me a lot of hope that when I stuff it up, when we get it wrong, God has a plan. And the last color I want to look at is green. And this is where I want to land today because in the green... It tells us who we truly are. It's like looking at ourselves with this pair of glasses on, with no lenses, unobscured. This is who you truly are if you're a Christian here this morning. As you compare, there'll be a fight within you. Am I really like that? 
Well, the reality is you are because God is right. God is true. He sets the foundation. He sets what is true. This is who you truly are. Are you ready for it? It is remarkable. You know what? You are remarkable. If you're in Christ, you are truly remarkable. You are truly remarkable in Christ. Let's, let's have a look at what it says. Where's the, someone find the first green. Where's the first green word? Correct. Verse 4. Verse 4 describes you as holy. How do you feel about that? I am holy. Holy means to be set apart. It means to be different. And when you're in Christ, you're no longer like the world. You're no longer part of that. You come out of that. The Bible describes you as holy, set apart, and also as an alien in some other places. Yeah, Because you're, you, you are from another place. Eternity with God. Yeah. Then it says, you are, to be, you are holy and blameless in his sight. This is all because of Christ. Verse 4, for he chose us. Maybe I should have called that chose in green too. I missed that one. For he chose us, but that's down later. We're going to get to that. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You know, when, when our God sees you, Kath, when God sees you, Kevin, when God sees you, Katrina, when God sees you, Nathan, he doesn't look at your life and your past and goes, there's a problem, I'm going to blame him for that. And there's a problem and I'm going to blame her for that. No. He sees you like you have nothing. There is no blame on you. Last um, on, on Tuesday morning, I went downstairs and, and um, Aiden had gone to school and Joel and, and Alicia were at home and they had spilt the Nutri-Grain all over the floor. Now, to their credit, they cleaned up half it. And so I, I look on the floor, and there's, and there's Nutri-Grain everywhere. And I'm like, right, who am I going to blame for this? Right, was it you, Joel, or was it Alicia? And they both looked at me and smiled. And their smile melted my, melted my heart. And I said, I can't blame them for this. Come on, guys, just, just clean it up. It's a bit like that with God when he sees you. He sees you in Christ. And your sin has been paid for. You are, it's, it's no longer your fault. He can't blame you anymore because it is done, it is over, it is finished. That's how he sees you. Verse 5. The next green is he predestined you. That God before creation saw your destination in him before he made the world. Verse 5 also talks about how we, um, how we have adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. And at the time this was written, if you were, if you were adopted into a family, you weren't like a second-rate kid or someone, we've got, we got our natural kids and then we have these extra ones. No, if you were adopted in, you were seen as like every other kid in that family. You, you are part of God's family. You are not Ill, illegitimate or you're not second-rate. Second you are one of his Precious, precious children. Verse 7 says that in him we have redemption through his blood. We have been redeemed. The word redeemed means to be brought back. It was used in the, at the time in the freeing of slaves. When they were a slave, they were working for somebody, and a way for a slave to be freed was there had to be a cost paid, money to be paid to the slave owner so that slave could be free. And the Bible tells us, friends, we're all slaves to sin. 
and we're stuck in it and we can't get out. The only way out is for that, for that sorry, the debt of our sin to be paid for, and that debt is paid through Jesus. By Jesus dying, he paid the price for us to be free from our sin. Verse 7 says that we are forgiven, forgiveness of sins. You know, when we talk about forgiveness, forgiveness is releasing the desire to pay them back. When you forgive someone, you are releasing the desire to pay that person back. Well, that's how God sees you. He has no desire to pay you back anymore for your wrongdoing because of what Christ has done for you. Verse 11 says that you are chosen, that God chose you as an individual to belong to him. Now, I've, I've heard people say, well, if our God chooses some, does that mean he doesn't choose others? And my response is that, well, actually, God shouldn't choose any because we've all rebelled. We've all rejected him, and we all deserve death. That's what we actually deserve. And out of his kindness, God chooses some. And if, he's, and, and if he one of them, rejoice and praise and encourage others to choose him as well. And finally, in verse 13, it says that we were marked in him with a seal. When you come to Christ, God puts his Holy Spirit in you. That is a deposit that is within you so that, God sees that one belongs to me. That one belongs to me because his spirit is in them. And that spirit is in them, as a, it says here, as a mark, the promised holy is a spirit. He was, he was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, guaranteeing our eternity. Friends, that's who you truly are. That's who you truly are. You're all those things. And when you believe those things about yourself, it influences the choices you make. In verse 4, when it describes you as holy, if you see yourself as holy and set apart and different from the world, well then your behavior is that you no longer run after what the world says and what the world does and choose to live the world's way, but rather you go, God, I am now yours. I'm choosing to live your way. I'm going to honor you with my life. When it says that you are blameless in his sight, when it says that you are forgiven for your sin, it means that God no longer sees you as a sinner. Hear this. God no longer sees you as a sinner. He sees you as a saint. Do we sin? Yes. We all sin. 1 John 1, 9. If you confess this, when you sin, yes, we all sin. But when God sees us through Christ, he sees you as his righteousness, just like you've never sinned. The Bible also uses in Romans 5 that you are justified, just, like, just if you've never sinned. That is how God sees you. So don't see yourself as someone who is no good and continues to stuff it up and continues to go, God, I'm not worthy to be used by you. I'm no good. I've done this. No, no, no. God sees you as blameless and forgiven and sin done over, sinless. That's done. It's over. It's finished. And when you see that way, you can step up and say, God, here I am. Use me. Because I've got nothing to be ashamed of. You've got nothing to blame in me. All that stuff is over and dealt with. Here I am. You have confidence to say, God, use me because of how he sees you in Christ. When it says that you are adopted to his, uh, um, 
adopted as his son. It, know, it means that you have acceptance by God, that he's accepted you. You're not some second rate. No, you are precious and you belong to his family. When it says that you are redeemed, that you've been paid, purchased by the blood of Jesus, you no longer have to worry about your salvation. You don't have to be concerned about, am I saved? Am I not saved? Because if you are in Christ, the price has been paid. His blood has washed away your sin. You are secure in him. So there's no need to work hard to earn it because you can't because it's done. There's no reason to be afraid. Am I? Am I not? No, if you are in Christ, you are in Christ and you can stand firm in him. So when we believe what God says about us, it affects the way that we live. If we live in comparison and we're comparing with how we're going compared to everybody else, that will also affect the way that we live. God doesn't want us to live that way. He wants us to live based on what the Word of God says about us. Friends, we need a reality check. We need a renewing of our mind. We need a shift that we would truly believe who we truly are. We don't see ourselves with these sunglasses on where we, it is, the filter is all out of whack and we don't see ourselves clearly. That is by comparing ourselves with the world. But rather we put on these dodgy $2.50 glasses from the $2 shop without lenses and we see ourselves as who we truly are as we see what the Word of God says about us. And just like the Apostle... I look funny when I do that. You'll look at me weird. I don't think you listen to me when I do that. I think you just... I think you just laugh at me. And my hope, and my hope for you today, is as you come to understand in greater measure and in greater measure who you are, you will respond in the same way Paul does in this passage, in four ways in the blue. He says, praise be to the God and Father, to the praise of his glorious grace, for the praise of his glory, for the praise of his glory, that our response would be a little life that says, God, you are great. I am for you. Use me. Here I am. Use me. So what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to read this passage over you again. For this is who you truly are. Actually, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to try something. I'm going to change the words of this text to make it, rather than you, I'm going to make it I and me. You understand what I mean by that? Praise be, verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed me. You can insert your name. Who has blessed me in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose me before the creation. He chose me. Really? He chose me before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined me for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which is freely given us in the one he loves. Freely given me in the one he loves. In him, I have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on me. With all wisdom and understanding, he has made known to me the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the time has reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. 
In him I was also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that I, well, it's not we, it's actually about the Jews, who were the first to hope in Christ, because Jesus went to them first. Verse 13 is talking about the Gentiles, but we're all in Christ, and all this relates to us anyway. In order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory, and you, us, believers, were also included in Christ. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when I believed, I was marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing my inheritance to the redemption of those who are God's possessions to the praise of his glory. Imagine if we lived that like that. Imagine how different your life would be if you really, really saw yourself as holy, as blameless. Imagine the choices you make. Imagine the difference it would make in your family. Imagine the difference it would make in your workplace, in your university. Imagine the difference it would workplace in the, in the place when you drop the kids off at school. Imagine the difference it would make if you truly believed and you truly walked out your identity. Imagine shining the light of Jesus. Imagine the difference it would make. So as we come to the end of this service this morning, we're going to sing this song, God, You Are Good, and it's got this bridge that declares, I am blessed. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I am called. I am healed. I am whole in the name of Jesus. We're going to sing this song, and at the end of this song, I'm going to invite the prayer team forward, and we're going to pray specifically for people who have the comparison mindset. We want to pray for people where you are getting your identity through what others say, through what others do. As I spoke about it, you know about it, you, you know it's there, and if we're honest, you ready for this, everyone? If we're honest, we all do it. Amen? Amen. But God is transforming us. God is changing us. God is renewing our minds, and we need God to shift and change. And next week, when we look at the next passage, you know what Paul does? He says, he prays that all this stuff in the first 14 verses will become a reality in our life. Because we can fight to believe this, and we can choose to believe this, but something happens when we pray, and we ask the power of God to touch us and move, there's a shift. So we're going to sing this song, we're going to get the prayer team up, and if you want to shift... If you want to change your thinking, I invite you to come forward and we're going to pray that God would renew and that your mind will be shifted so that you see yourself as who God truly sees you. Amen. This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au.